Hi everyone, welcome to She Can STEM. Today I'm here with Annabella. Annabella Marie Gullung is an 18-year-old cancer researcher and entrepreneur who founded the Steminist Movement, a nonprofit providing free STEM education to middle school girls. She has served as keynote speakers for the American Cancer Society and the American Association of University Women to further her missions in fighting cancer and the STEM gender gap. While the majority of her summer is dedicated to reforming and planning for the Steminist Movement's next steps, Annabella avidly studying testicular germ cell tumors and the melanoma through her positions in research labs at Cornell and Harvard. Hi, Ms. Annabella. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what sparked your interest in the medical field? Sure. Um, well, it starts out with a, with a bit of family history. So I come from a long line of physicians and uh, biomedical technologists from the Philippines. And um, so it's kind of medicines in the family. But the, the journey started for me, really, when I was, I was only a freshman in high school, and I decided I want to start looking into a couple professions, see how it, they look like. And so I started shadowing a few doctors, and one of, the, one of the experiences that really resonated with me was when I shadowed a radiation oncologist, and just watching him give a, a range of, of prognoses from, from OU, like the dreaded, you have two months, all the way to, oh, like, you're, you're good, you're in remission, like, you, you, can, you can head out and we'll just give you a call so we can check to make sure it hasn't come back. And it was a really striking experience for me because uh, something as little as a test that could be run in, like, two hours could make these huge life-changing decisions for these people. And it got my, got my head spinning. I was like, well, okay, so why doesn't the same thing work for everybody? And, um, like, what, what are the differences between all these different types of cancer? And what are the differences with uh, how we treat them? And why, why, pretty much, why haven't we cured cancer yet? You know, you always hear about the old trope of cancer research, and why is that still a problem when there are so many people working on it? So really, that got me going, and so I spent the rest of my high school career um, independently pursuing research, and I found my personal niche in genetics and immunology, and uh, it just, it led me down to this path where I am today, and um, I'm currently on the pre-med track in my undergraduate career, which is quite a privilege, as well as um, I'm interested in pursuing graduate school because I feel that research is a really intimate way to get involved uh, with the science, and I feel like research is my way of having a voice in the field. That's awesome. That's awesome that you had so many role models in your family to look up to in a STEM field. Thank you. Yes, it was, um, it was really, I'm, I'm blessed because um, I know that that's not the case for a lot of young women, so. Mm -hmm. um, so after you chose to pursue STEM, was there anything that discouraged you or held you back due to your gender or due to any circumstances? Oh, definitely. I could go on and on. Um, I found that in my experiences, the the medical field and especially the biological researches field, um, people are a lot more accepting of of females becoming um, becoming you know reaching those higher levels, and I think that's rooted in the fact now 
I wrote a paper on this back in my senior year, so I can't exactly cite the sources, but because women have this innate desire to help with the humanitarian side of things, um, that um, usually they're drawn more to the biological sciences and the medical fields more than say like computer sciences or like mechanical engineering. And um, with your studies, I'm, I'm sure you are already aware of that. But um, one of the things that I've realized is uh, back in high school, for example, when I was taking all my computer science courses, um, uh, when I reached the, the advanced topics, which is my post AP courses, I was one of 18 guys sitting in the classroom and the teacher would always ask me over and over like do you have it like are you sure you have your the notes down like are you okay and um they reached a point where even some of the guys in the class stood up for me and said oh like they they told my teacher like you really don't need to be doing that like you don't do that to any of us and um they really stood up for me so it's good to have um i was fortunate to have an ally in that situation um when it comes to research and stuff like that i haven't had as many interactions where I felt um, where I felt I was put down in any sort of way, and that's because I've had uh, some really good mentors who've guided me uh, along the way and have stood up for me and given me opportunities, and that's something that's really important whenever you're you're pursuing a specific field, um, specifically at a young age. It's good to have uh, people to to look up to and to stand by you, to not only mentor you, but to also be a a, a sponsor for you in some sort of way. Um, so uh, I'm not sure. Have I answered your question? Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you. Um, I know you had one teacher that you said like was completely like doubted you, but mm -hmm. were there any other teachers who had the opposite effect? Maybe like gave you that motivation. Oh, definitely. I've had a lot of teachers and surprisingly, um, a lot of them were male and they were, they were extremely supportive of me even when, even when I didn't, wasn't always at my best. Uh, what do I mean by that? So, uh, for example, I had this one teacher back when I was studying regenerative biology between my sophomore and junior year in high school. And that summer, I, I gave this presentation on, I don't, I don't even quite remember what, but I believe it was on, I was proposing some new sort of immunotherapy. But at the end of that presentation, um, my, my professor, he questioned me and uh, I had to defend my, my presentation, which is a, a common thing you have to do once you, once you reach a higher level of education. But for me, um, I was, I, started I felt like I wanted to cry by the end of it just because of all the questions and I felt like I didn't know what I was talking about at all and I just had complete imposter syndrome and I was like why why did I even do this and it was it was terrifying to me um but when that happened to me it it woke something up in me which was that I had to work really hard and be able to defend every single aspect of my ideas and it, that, and that could be due to the fact that I'm a woman, I'm a person of color, um, I'm, there's, there's a lot of factors that could have gone into that, but that really gave me this intellectual and mental hardness that, hey, you do need to be able to um, work really hard and stand up for everything that you, um, that you believe in, and um, and to pretty much not be afraid of hard work. And in the end, I, th I thank that teacher. Sometimes you need to be uh, struck down and, 
and um, in, in order to in order to really understand the the depth of of knowledge that you really need to have in order to be the best you can be in your field. Um, so yeah, I, I've had plenty of teachers who who have been tough on me, but have been extremely conducive to my growth as an academic and as a person. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so in your school, when you were pursuing your research and in your university, when you were pursuing your research, um, did you find that there were other girls who had the same interests as you or were you like kind of an only one? Yes, um, that's a really great question. So um, I'm fairly new at university, so I've just wrapped up my first year at Cornell, uh, but I work in a lab on working on testicular germ cell tumors. So obviously that's, that's prevalent in males. And I'm not sure if, um, if that plays a role in the, in the gender ratio in my lab specifically, but I'm actually the only female undergraduate in my lab. And my PI is extremely, is extremely welcoming. We have, we're extremely uh, diverse um, if we're talking about um, like race and ethnicity. But what I found is that the, um, when it comes to the graduate students and those pursuing a higher level education, we have, more, we have more women graduate students, whereas I'm the only female undergraduate, which is interesting. And um, so I, I found that that, that, was, that was a little strange for me, but I don't think that that is representative of the research community at Cornell. So one of the things that I found uh, really, really great about my school is that we were actually one of the first in the Ivy League to accept women and to accept people of color, which of course is, is something that's very important to me. And um, you, you see that also in the sciences, um, the vast amount of, of girls sitting in the front row far outweighs that of boys and whenever i go to office hours particularly in the the big um um the big like threatening classes where there are 400 people um office hours are dominated by the girls particularly women of color and i think that that's amazing and i think um that is due in part to the fact that those girls underwent a similar realization that i did that you do need to work harder and it's not fair at all, but in the end you, you walk away with so much more because of that. Um, and um, so yes, uh, in my lab specifically, there, there is um, a gender disparity specifically in the, in the younger years, but that's balanced out in the, in the higher years. Yeah, does, does that answer your question? Yes, for sure, that's awesome. Um, when you were in that one, that uh, rare scenario when there were actually more women than men, would you say that increased your confidence as a woman in, as a woman in STEM? I think, um, I I would say that yes, we we have a tendency to have a lot more fun. Like, you can open up a little bit more and joke around a little bit without fear of losing your credibility, for example, because. Um, I don't know for there's there's this really terrible misconception that if you joke around you're you're like not serious about what you're doing um in an academic respect and so i think one of the things that's interesting especially in a in a female dominated um environment when you're trying to accomplish a goal there's a lot more 
there's a lot more synergy and teamwork going on. And I think that that's usually conducive to um, a, a better answer, not necessarily a quicker answer, but a better, more complete answer. And um, yeah, so that's, that, that's my reflection on whenever I've been in a, in a female dominated environment. Wow, that's really interesting. Thank you. <laughs> um, if you had to make more interventions to encourage girls in the, at the elementary school and middle school level to um, encourage more girls into STEM at that age, what would you do? Okay, um, wow, I love this question. Thank you for asking it. Um, I think uh, the main part is, um, is the whole concept of see it, be it, right? So one of the things that I would like to see in, in schools and um, in general, in the media particularly, um, is just an increase in, in women in STEM because that's, that's pretty much it. Like they're out there, we're, we're there, I promise. Um, and so long as little girls um, see this and view it as a true possibility, I, I think that that makes all the difference. Like, um, oh, hold on, let me think, sorry. Yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty much it. Um, I, I would say that if if young girls were taught more that um, that these were these were careers and paths that were true possibilities for them, that that would increase uh, female interest in STEM. Also, um, if um, the stigma around STEM subjects, particularly this is this is more on the media, that oh like it's hard and that it's a boy thing and the image of of what a scientist looks like changes in general. Um, I think we'll we'll be headed along the right track. And frankly, I I think we are headed in the right track. Like I can imagine that when I'm a grandma or I'm I'm retired or something like that, I can imagine that the STEM gender gap will be will be smaller than it than it is now significantly because of things that that you are doing and because of the general way that these fields are all shifting. So yeah. For sure. I hope you're right. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so when you think of female role models in STEM, what is the first name that comes to your mind? Oh my goodness. Um, I will have to say 100%. It's, it's this molecular biologist named uh, Daisy Robinson. She got her, she, she graduated from UCLA and she got her PhD from Harvard. Um, and on top of that, she's an entrepreneur. She's an educator. Um, she published this um, this beautiful review on um, iPSCs, which are induced pluripotent stem cells. They're they're this invention um, that date back to 2011. They um, are what happens when you take an adult cell and you activate a few gen genes in them, and it reverts back into this stem cell form. It's it's fascinating, and so she wrote this review on. Um, IPSCs, and it wound up becoming um, one of one of the most um, cited papers of all time in that field. And um, she's extremely impressive. And on top of that, she's she's also a model. I believe she models for like Athleta and like Lululemon. But um, aside from all that, I think she just completely blows out of the water all the preconceptions you have about being being a female scientist and um aside from that she's just she's extremely thoughtful she's done two ted talks um 
wow, I really love her. Um, and uh, so she's played a really inspirational role for me. And I think um, I'm, I'm working on a review right now. So she gave me some tips on that and I'm very grateful. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Woman in STEM, I would say hands down Daisy. She's, she's a wonderful, wonderful woman. And um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. That's awesome. Oh my God, I will look her up. That sounds so cool. Yes, she's great. Um, so what advice do you have for young girls who are considering entering the STEM field? Ooh, this is a big one. I feel like I feel like I have a lot of different advice, but I, I would say um, mainly I would tell them to take care to listen to those who care about you and to take care to ignore those who don't uh, because there are always going to be a lot of people who will who will try to diminish your ideas or to take credit for your success and that that is not okay and it's important that regardless you you know your self-worth and you're thoughtful and aware um, and also just grateful because it all in all, science is one giant group project. Um, and so being able to build connections and find your way is, is just as important as whatever you're discovering. So that's awesome. I definitely agree. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, were there any programs or like after school programs or activities that encouraged your growth in the STEM field or in the, or in the medical field? Hmm. Okay. That's, uh, that's a really interesting question. So, I mean, for me, when I was in high school, my junior and senior year, a lot of my after school activities um, consisted of me going to going to the lab and doing my research because my school didn't really have a have a research program. And by the grace of some um, by by a professor at my local university, um, Dr. Rhodes at Florida Gulf Coast University, we um, well, we, I was able to um, perform some of my own research and really get me started um, with where I am now. And um, so that quite clearly led me to, <laughs> led me to where I currently am with my STEM career. Um, but in addition to doing research, one of the big things that I did uh, when I was in high school, and I still try to do now every once in a while, is, is actually ballet. And I, I know that that's a pretty stereotypically uh, female activity to do, but there's a lot of lessons, particularly like I mentioned with failure, um, and also with patience with yourself and self-awareness uh, that comes with dance. And I think that that's really important because when you get to know yourself and how you deal with progress and how you deal with failure, those are all very important lessons that I think very intimately translate over into the academic field and your pursuit of higher education. Um, also, there are some really cool lessons with, with physics packed in there too, but I won't go too far into that one. Um, so uh, aside, from, aside from research and ballet, I also, I played a bit of tennis, which was, which was great. I didn't, I didn't do it too often. Um, but aside from that, just uh, running the STEMness movement was a big deal for me the last two years of my high school career. And so I didn't have time for, for too much else, but I, I sure loved what I did. And um, that's what worked for me. 
That's amazing. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you're doing with the feminist movement right now? It sounds so interesting. I would love to. Thank you. Um, so what I did for the last few years of my high school was I connected I connected high school speakers with upper level professors at, at institutions like MIT and Harvard and Cornell. And oh, this is also what I did the past year. What am I saying? So the past three years. Um, and so I connected. Yeah, so I connected high school speakers with college professors and they would collaborate and create a program or a workshop as I would like to call it. And I would deliver this programming to to underprivileged middle school girls in the Southwest Florida area. This was really interesting for me to watch because I got to get my hands wet with um, with a bunch of different fields. So it was um, it was very interesting to learn about all these all these different things that I otherwise would not have known anything about. And so what I'm currently in the process of doing uh, with the help of Women Entrepreneurs Cornell um, and their generosity with my fellowship, I was um, I'm spending this summer trying to figure out a way to change the model of the feminist movement to be to be fit for growth and also to be more autonomous. What do I mean by that? Um, I mean that I'm create I'm working to create a sort of handbook to help high schoolers um, as well as college students learn how to found their own their own chapter of the feminist movement. And since I was able to um, to secure like a trademark for our logo and um, as, as well as establish it as a as a nonprofit organization, um, we would all be able to operate under that umbrella. And so I'm working to to just make that infrastructure so that other people can can let the movement grow and um, help facilitate that and so it can be brought to more young girls across across the nation and later the world. Uh, one of the things that I was in the process of working on right before Corona hit um, was establishing a branch over at Imperial College of London. And um, well, that's been that's been a little nipped in the bud for right now, but um, a lot of things are on the back burner. So we'll just add that to it. So yes. That's awesome. That's, oh my gosh. I love what you do. That's <laughs> Thank you. You do so many things yourself. It's, it's really impressive to hear. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so do you have any final messages for listeners? I would definitely say to, to do a lot of research. Don't be afraid to, to look into something if you think you might be interested in it. Um, talk to you, talk to people who care about you, talk to your teachers, find mentors, make connections. Um, don't, um, don't get too, too wrapped up in hustle culture. I know it's big. I know I buy into it myself, but also, um, it's extremely important to take care of yourself and, um, make sure that you're in it for the long run because, hey, I know you are. Um, and, I would just say to to work hard and be thoughtful and be grateful because um, this this whole journey is definitely um, one that that you are going to remember and that will well in in a very literal way determine the rest of your life. So um, so please don't take a moment of it for granted. There will be people who won't believe in you and there will be people who will put you down, um, but just know that there are 
so many of us that have been there before and um, we all need to be there for each other, um, especially in, in times like these. So um, yeah, I would definitely say don't be afraid of hard work and don't be afraid to fail. And I'm pretty sure I've said enough inspirational quotes to fill the side of a Lululemon bag <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but um, yes, I, I think that's, that's all I've got. But also, I um, also don't be afraid to admit when, when you're wrong or when you don't know something. Because hey, there's there's always stuff that we don't know. That's that's the beauty of science. The the idea that we don't we don't know so much, and I personally find that very inspiring. That's amazing. Thank you so so much, Miss Annabella. Of course, Tanya. It was so great talking to you. You too.